Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. We continue. A series began last Sunday, so for the month of August, we're exploring, you know, what is the church? So we do that. A question for you. How many of you have ever climbed aside a vehicle with other people and gone on a trip? Some of you don't look so excited about those kind of experiences. You know, you climb inside the vehicle, and you're going somewhere. You've got a destination and a purpose when you get inside the vehicle. And depending on the length of the trip, you know, one of the first things you do is you've got to stop and make sure everyone's got all the munchies they need. You know, whether you got a cold you know, soda or some water or, in my case, you know, a cup of coffee, some snacks, you know, munchies for the long road trip. You get going on that road trip, driving down the road there, you know, and if it's a longer road trip, you're going to make some pit stops. You know, maybe one of the first ones that, like, everyone's like, why are we stopping now? Because i got to go. Or you're the person, as they get down, we stopped, and we're on our way again, and you're the person that's like, um, I know we just stopped. Anyone have something like that in your trips before? Some of you are, like, pointing at somebody. <laughs> you didn't see them pointing at you. They were pointing at you. You know, as we talk about the church, in a lot of ways, I think the church is kind of like getting inside a vehicle and going on a road trip. Now, it's not like this one story that I read where in uh, Great Britain, there, they were, it was like VW vans. There was a, it was just weird, a bunch of VW vans. But they were trying to get like 57 people into a VW van in order to break a world record. I saw the picture. I mean, that thing was packed and people were like this and people were sitting on people and people's where uh, is yeah <laughs> i've been on a trip like that like once and it was from the hostel that we were at in Krakow going to the airport when they were supposed to bring like two vans for all the luggage and and all the people and we had a big team that year and a lot of luggage and they didn't so there was luggage on places that there shouldn't have been luggage and people on top of luggage on top of people and it was just squeezed in there thankfully it was a short trip <laughs> Well, short as in like 30 minutes. It felt forever, though, because it was just so packed full of people. But, you know, again, the church in many ways is like that. You know, we, we crawl inside, you know, and we get inside and we go somewhere. We have a destination. We have a purpose for who we are and where we're going. So we talk about that. Let's just kind of really quick review what we covered last week in case you weren't here last week or, you know, if it was a long, hot week like it was and maybe you forgot. So last week, you know, we introduced the word, this Greek word, ecclesia, and the reason we did that is because in the words of Jesus, when he says, you know, I will build my church, the word there is not really church, because often the word that is translated as church in the New Testament is the word ecclesia, and the word simply means a group of people called together for a purpose. Again, think of like a road trip, you know, getting inside a vehicle and you're on a road trip. Called together for a purpose. And that purpose, that word, can be used for like a jury. You know, people gathered together as part of a court system. It could be like, you know, as the fall season is coming along, a gathering of people in Nebraska when this one little spot in Nebraska becomes like the third largest city, you know, of like 80,000 plus people watching the Huskers play football. I don't know if you call it football right now. Maybe. Maybe this next, this year, this season will be better. But, you know, a group of people gather together. Now, what makes us unique as we gather together is that we are a local gathering of Jesus' followers. That, that's our purpose. That's our identity. And we hear that even in the richness of the words that Paul says, you know, that we are gathering because we're connected by faith 
in Christ and in baptism. But as you think about that, there are a number of metaphors and ideas both um, that we use in our common vernacular and, and, and in the scriptures about you know, what is the church. The question is, is what dominant narrative shapes our understanding of this gathering of people that we call the church? What is that dominant narrative? Because that dominant narrative you know, really shapes how we understand ourselves. It shapes our purpose. It shapes our identity. It shapes our relationship with one another. One of the dominant narratives that sometimes, you know, shapes an understanding of the church, especially in North American culture, is that of business. If the church is like a business, and in many ways the church is like a business, we have a budget. We have meetings. Hey, meetings. You know, we, we, have, we have boards, you know, and committees and task force. But if the church's dominating narrative is a business, then it tends to shape our purpose and shape our relationship. It shapes our purpose because then sometimes, you know, our, our idea of what the church is all about is something I heard someone say to me years and years ago, more butts in the pews means more bucks in the plates. And while there's truth to that, potentially, that more people, you know, coming to worship, you know, does maybe equate to more bucks, you know, for the offering, that's not our primary purpose. And if we really see ourselves as a business, you know, we also then tend to see one another. Like you can see the pastor as the CEO. Or maybe the pastor sees himself as the CEO. And then the people, it's all about your production. You know, if you live and work in the business world, you know it's all about production. And it's easy for us to see ourselves in the same way if our dominating narrative as a church is that of business. It's all about production. What are we producing? How are we producing compared to somebody else? What are you producing? What am I producing? And again... There are business aspects to what the church does. You know, we do have to pay bills and, and make decisions. We do have a vision, you know, growing in Jesus and sharing his love. And again, we do have a budget. And, and thankfully, again, our budget is changed radically because now we are debt-free as a congregation, which is awesome. Ten years ahead of schedule because of your generosity. But what is, you know, our purpose? How do we understand one another? Well, again, one way to do that is a business. Another way that we can sometimes look at the church, a metaphor we can use for the church, this gathering of people, is we can look at it as a team. And again, there are a lot of things about a church that's like a team. You know, being a part of a team means together, you know, we accomplish more. Being part of a team means we often, you know, rally together and we support one another and we encourage one another. And we get excited you know, just like at, when you come to watch the football players play, football players play, that was a little bit. You come to watch a football game, and you're cheering on the team. You know, it's the idea of cheering one another on. But if you're part of a team, though, and, and many of you have been part of a team, or you're raising kids, they're part of a team, you know, there's a lot of things, a lot of demands on that team if you're a player of that team. And again, you know, what is the role of the pastor? The role of the pastor might be that as a coach. What kind of coach is the pastor going to be? And then what does the coach expect of the players? Because in the business world, it's about production. And in the sports world, it's about performance. How are you performing as a team member? 
whether you're volunteering in some, you know, role or even just how are you, you know, behaving, at least from the outside, as a follower of Jesus. And as a team, then, you know, again, we in many ways are like a team because we do want to work together. It really helps when you work together as a congregation. I mean, it, for those of you who've been around Holy Savior for a number of years, you know there was a time we were not working well together. As a team, it was very dysfunctional. And we accomplished a lot more as we worked together, like, again, paying the debt off 10 years ahead of schedule. You know, rallying around and supporting, you know, the three schools that we support. But teams, you know, have this sense of competition. So sometimes, you know, what can happen is, you know, we want to beat that other church. That's the other team, right? We want to have better music, better programs, better this and better that, so that we are better than them, and we can show them that we're the best. Again, not every aspect of being a team for a church is wrong, but if that dominates our narrative of who we are, again, you think about like if we're going on a road trip, you know, a business road trip is a lot different than a team road trip. Sometimes a team road trip, especially after the game, that's kind of stinky. So what is that dominant narrative for us? Well, I think we get that dominant narrative and the words that Paul gives to us that we read a little earlier from Galatians. These words from Galatians 3.26, let's read this together. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You are all what? Children of God. You are children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Our faith in Christ Jesus changes who we are, and it shapes our narrative, our dominant narrative. It shapes our relationship with one another, our purpose together. Because if we are children of God, what does that mean that we are to one another? Well, in case you don't get it, let's read another text. Keep moving along here. And these are Jesus' words from Matthew. As, you know, the crowds are gathering around Jesus as they often were and, and his, you know, family wanted to be near to him, his mother and, and brothers and siblings and stuff like that. You know, like, you know, they want to get by. But Jesus says these words here. This is on two slides. And let's read this together from Matthew 12. Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing with his hand at his disciples, he said, Look, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does what my Father in heaven wants is my brother and sister and mother. And what Jesus is saying, look, that this idea of being brothers and sisters, this idea of being followers of God, was not just about heritage. It was not just about, you know, that they were blood relatives. It was about this relationship that we have with our Father in heaven. It's about who we are as children of God. Let's dig a little deeper. Again, Paul's words here to these early Christian followers, he uses a number of metaphors, but one of the metaphors and the language that he uses often is the idea that we are a family. Paul's words in Romans 12, verse 1, just the first part of this text. Let's read this together. Brothers and sisters, in view of all we have just shared about God's compassion... I encourage you, and you can read that if you want later today, the rest of that text. I mean, when Paul is doing here, as he writes these words, first of all, he says what? Brothers and sisters. So Paul is seeing his role as that of a spiritual father to these early followers of Jesus. And he's going to encourage them. And I love when Paul says this, in view of God's 
mercy, in view of all that we've just shared with you about God's compassion, his love for you, I want to encourage you to live in relationship to one another this way. And the relationship that we live is a relationship of brothers and sisters in Christ. Not as business partners, not as a team, not as a dominant narrative at least, but as brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 2. Let's read this together. You Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens with everyone else who belongs to the family of God. So you Gentiles, as Paul writes this, part of what's happening in the early church, part of what God was using Paul to do, is that you had the Jewish believers of Jesus, and then you had the non-Jewish, the Gentile believers of Jesus. Sometimes there was conflict. Sometimes one would argue who is truly you know, part of, of you know, God's family. And, and Paul is saying, look, you Gentiles, you're no longer strangers or foreigners. You no longer are you know, not part of this. You have been part of this now. Through faith and in baptism, you are now part of this family. And he uses the words, I mean, the more literal translation is, you are part of God's household. But we'd understand that is you belong to the family of God. You belong to the family of God. Not because of your performance, not because of your production, but because of God's mercy in Jesus Christ. Because of the blood that our Savior Jesus shed for you. We'll take a look at another of Paul's letters. This one to the church in Philippi. And he writes Philippians chapter 3. Brothers and sisters, Imitate me and pay attention to those who live by the examples we have given you. Again, Paul referring to those you know, early Christians as brothers and sisters, those who are part of God's family. And he says, imitate me, again, like a spiritual father. He's saying, look, not that I am perfect in any way. I mean, none of our parents are perfect. None of us as parents were perfect. But I want to show you what it's like to live according to God's grace and mercy. What it's like when that grace and mercy shapes your life. The times you're doing things really well, following God, and the times that, well, you're not. And living in that forgiveness and sharing that forgiveness, sharing that love. So when we think about the church, we talk of this ecclesia, this gathering of people, this gathering of Jesus' followers, we think about the being what? A family. The church is a family. Now, when we talk about church, you know, we talk about church in a a couple different ways, too. We use the word church. Sometimes you use the word church. I had to think about that this morning, so I get it it the right direction. Sometimes you use a big C. See, it's not this way. It's this way. Big C, like the church. When we talk about the church, the church means God's church throughout the world. Every Christian from every denomination, everyone who by faith belongs to the family of God. Now, do you know Every single Christian in the world? Yeah, either do I. It's kind of like, you know, I was reading a story about the woman who had the most, gave birth to the most children, you know, recorded in history. Like 67 children. Oh, my goodness. That's because she had, like, you know, sets of quadruplets and sets of triplets and sets of twins and, and it's a lot. It, can you imagine? They don't know each other very well because from the oldest to the youngest, you know, there's, a, there's an age span there. And in many ways, it's like a gigantic family. You know, if you get, you know, like, you know, the Irwins, if you get all the Irwins together from everywhere throughout the U.S., you know, it could be a gigantic bunch of people. Will you know everyone really well? No. 
Do I know my brothers and their families and my mom really, really well? I do. That's that more immediate local family. And so we talk about the church, talk about the big church. You also talk about the small church, the, the local congregation, our, our family here at Holy Savior. Those who gather together because in faith God has made us part of the family. And we celebrate together. And, you know, and, and just like, you know, we talk about in the business metaphor, if, if, if that was our driving narrative, it's all about production or the team. The driving narrative is performance. In the family, it's about presence. Presence, not presence as in presence, like bringing your presence here for a big birthday party, but your presence, your being here. It's like when you, know, you gather together as a family and people you haven't seen for a long time, even if they can't be there for a, little, for a long time, it's just the fact that we are what? We are together. You know, when, when especially for those of you whose kids begin to grow up and they begin to scatter and move on in their own lives, one of the greatest joys you have is in what? You have them together with you again. That your presence, your being here, you're being part of this family. You know, in any family, families have budgets too, and families have goals. And like any earthly family, no family is perfect. We have times that we squabble and fight. We have those that we get along with really well, and we have those that, well, we just don't maybe know as well. But we gather as a family here at Holy Savior. As a family, you know, we value, when we say presence, we value relationships. It's a family that, that owns us and, and loves us. It's a family that, that we are a part of, that we feel an obligation to out of this love that we have for one another. We feel this kinship for one another. Or you think about, you know, a family reunion again. You know, I ever do a potato sack race? Some of you are like, what's a potato sack race? No, potato sack race, and you're hopping down like that. You imagine you're hopping down potato sack race, and you know, you're racing against your cousins and whoever else, your crazy Uncle Joe or something like that, and you, know, you stumble, you fall, and you lose the race, and your family disowns you. <laughs> no, you know what happens? You know, your family's there for you. They probably encourage you to pick you up. They might laugh with you a little bit, cry with you. you know, if you're a little bit beat up, they don't pick you up and brush you off. But they don't disown you. So even when we falter and fail, when we falter and fail God, we falter and fail one another, we continue to share that love, we continue to share the grace that our God shares with us in Jesus Christ. Being part of the family means there are moments that we celebrate together, and there are moments that we cry together. There are times we are encouraging one another, and there are times we are challenging one another. Being part of the family is who God has called us to be in Jesus Christ. Is it a gift that he's given to us in his grace and love in Jesus? By the blood that he shed for us on the cross and the life he lives as a risen Savior. So as we talk about Holy Savior being a place that is growing in Jesus and sharing his love, yes, you know, we could think about it in purely business aspects or in that of a team. But I invite you to think about us being a people who are growing in Jesus and sharing his love as being a family that we are growing together and sharing his love with one another and those in our community and around the world.
So I give you a challenge to think on as we, we talk more about this. And the question for you to think about is this. What does it mean for me to be a part of God's family? Now, maybe the 10 seconds I gave you is all, all you're going to think about it. Maybe you think about that a little bit more this week. Next week, we're going to explore that a little bit more. We're going to talk a little bit more about what does it mean for us to be God's family here at Holy Spirit, this little portion of family gathered to celebrate the gifts that God gives us, gathered to celebrate the love that he has for us in Jesus, to share that love and to grow in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of your amazing grace and love for us. Lord, we thank you that you have called us by faith and in baptism. We are part of your family. And Lord, we are part of the family here at Holy Savior. We pray, Lord, that that identity that shapes our relationship with you and our relationship with one another. Bless us, Lord, we pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless.